Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Welcome to the show and happy Thursday. Yes, yes. You know, Shira, ever since I've been on TV, let's just jump right in there. But ever since mm-hmm. I've been on, I was on TV on the Tamron Hall show. If you haven't checked it out, you should go there on YouTube. It's right there. Oh my gosh, really cool. Um, I have been getting the weirdest, strangest messages, and you've done TV spots before. Mm-hmm. So, like, what's the weirdest message that you've got? Well, I, I have definitely gotten some from foot fetish folks. You know, they love my feet, even though my feet aren't on TV. But when I used to be on <clears throat> Fox News Red Eye, um, I didn't want to say that out loud. I, I was on the part of the table, which you see in the movie, uh, yeah. Bombshell. Is that Bombshell? Yeah, that Bombshell, yes. Yeah, uh, where you see they put the the leggy women on the table and you would see my feet and legs. Anyway, so but I get crazy messages that like pretty. that. Yeah, my heel. Well, you don't see my actual feet. And there's people that love my feet. Okay, Ryan. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, I get those. I also get those from gas station TV because I'm on there oh, being yeah. like, I see you at the gas station. I got my Slurpee and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. I just don't know whether to respond or not because I got I got this weird message from this lady. And I'm just like, this is just strange. Block. I appreciate the support, but block, seriously. You see, it's- I never block unless they're literally stalker material or being really, like, mean. Yeah. But yeah, and and she thought you should have a girlfriend, which is really cute. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. Doesn't she go know into, that I'm already in your life? I wasn't gonna okay. go into deep into the question what <laughs> she said, but uh, yeah, she thinks that I should deserve a girlfriend. So there we go, straight mm-hmm. out. People. Now, uh, coming up on the show, all jokes aside, of course, we're continuing to talk about what's happening in Texas and how you can help Texas winter storm victims. Plus, the reintroduction of the Equality Act introduced in Congress today. Lambda Legal CEO Kevin Jennings is with us for that. Very exciting stuff. So that is coming up at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Let's get into some what's shining this hour, though. NASA's Perseverance rover landed on Mars today after a nearly seven-month journey. Now, the rover is the most technologically advanced robot that NASA has ever sent to Mars, and it's going to spend two years there exploring the surface. It's also carrying a small helicopter named Ingenuity, which is a tech demonstrator that NASA plans to use to attempt the first flight on another planet, if you're wondering what this is all about. But of course, that did compete with the other landing today, Texas Senator Ted Cruz back in Houston from his quick trip to Cancun. And as Cruz returned to Houston, and we're going to be talking more about this, um, millions of Texans remain without power for what could be days. Hospitals throughout Texas have now lost water and heat, leaving doctors scrambling to conserve resources and coronavirus vaccine shots. Remember, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. 
while caring for vulnerable residents. So that is the latest. I'm sorry, Ryan, I didn't get your hot take because I had to get through it all. There was some important stuff today. Well, what's happening? Hear, as I said, yeah. you'll hear me talk about Ted Cruz in a minute. Yes, exactly. But let's get into the team report. Yeah, so let's talk about FK Twig's first sit-down interview with Gail King on CBS this morning to discuss the alleged abuse that she went through with Shia LaBeouf. It's time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. And her first sit-down TV interview since filing a lawsuit against LaBeouf in December. FKA Twigs told Gail King on CBS this morning that she's speaking out to help others. But the part of the interview that I really wanted to highlight was a question that Gail asked her about why did she stay if she was being abused. Here's her answer. I'm just going to make a stance and say that I'm not going to answer that question anymore because the question should really be to the abuser, why are you holding someone hostage with abuse? You know, and people say, oh, it can't have been that bad because else she would have left. And it's like, no, it's because it was that bad. I couldn't leave. So I, I actually really loved her answer here where she flipped it back saying, you know, I'm taking power here and I'm no longer going to answer that. The question should be, why aren't we, you know, why are abusers abusing me? Like, because obviously I can't get out because I'm being abused. So should interviewers or just interview people or journalists, should we stop asking that question like that? I think we're figuring it out. I think that once again, as we've seen, we talked about this in the past, it was, you know, normal to ask these questions because we didn't get it. We weren't having open conversations and being vulnerable. And I think at this point, it's it's like anything that's tone deaf that you don't ask anymore. This will be one of those questions. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, I think Gail King was one just doing her job as a journalist. Um, but I do think we need to be more thoughtful about the questions we're asking. I think we do that here on the show. Uh, but specifically when it comes to uh, just people who have who are going through something like what FKA Twigs is going through. Um, and it's a long interview. Y'all should really go check it out. Um, because, yeah, she's really, really being honest. And I just love Gail King for handling it and the way she's handling it as well. Yeah. There's a way to ask it. You know, what do you say to people who might say this? Or yeah. when you were in that, you know, uh, can you explain what it feels like? Like, I haven't been in that situation, but like, explain why it's hard to leave. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I got more tea report coming up for you, of course. And of course, your chance to win our latest giveaway that we're doing. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Coming up on the show, uh, Democrats have formally introduced Biden's citizenship bill, what that means for those who are undocumented in this country. We've got The Washington Post joining us for that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Democrats are formally introducing President Biden's immigration bill today. Here to tell us more is Maria Sacchetti, who's a reporter covering immigrant communities and immigration and customs enforcement at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So this has been at the centerpiece of Biden's strategy. What does the bill entail exactly? Well, it would create a path to citizenship for 11 million undocumented immigrants who are living in the United States. So dreamers, farm workers, people uh, here with temporary protected status, that means they can't go home because of wars or natural disasters in their home country. They would get an expedited path. They would immediately get uh, be eligible for green cards and they could apply for citizenship in three years, which is um, a big deal. Normally you have to wait five years unless you're married to a U.S. citizen. And the rest, millions more, would, um, would be eligible for citizenship after eight years, which is a much longer path than it is now, but, um, but they don't have any option right now. Yeah, so 
Um, I, I guess I want to know because the U.S. Citizenship Act marks the first major effort since the Senate passed a massive immigration overhaul in 2013, um, but it died in the House. So I guess when we're thinking about bipartisan support, how much does uh, Joe Biden really need to make this happen? And is it actually realistic? Right. So that that's a great question. I mean, I mean, the, the fact is that the Senate, uh, the, the difficulty there, the Democrats have is in the Senate. Uh, it's very narrowly divided, as you know, and they have to find 10 Republican votes to meet the 60 vote threshold needed to pass it. And as we just saw with the impeachment trial, they didn't they didn't have 10 Republicans. So people were telling me today, um, you know, if, if they, they they're and these are advocates for immigrants are saying, you know, I don't know how they can pass it if, you know, they couldn't get 10 Republican votes for the impeachment you know, um, trial. So when, when that, you know, we had a siege on the Capitol, um, people died. And so uh, I think um, that's one reason, I mean, anything can happen. It's very possible. The 1986 amnesty also appeared dead until um, the last minute when it resurrected. So really anything can happen, especially on immigration, but, but it hasn't happened for the past 35 years. And there have been multiple, multiple attempts. Um, when, when I was covering education in California in 20, 2004, um, there were dreamers who were high school seniors and they'd be about 40 years old now. And so uh, this has been going on for a long time. What some advocates are pushing for is for uh, Democrats to pass this as part of budget reconciliation, which is a, a co complex procedure and it requires um, them to jump through a, a uh, several hoops, um, but it only requires a majority vote, not 60 votes. So they Got would, it. you know, yeah, so that would be a big deal. I want to reintroduce you uh, to everyone listening. Maria Sacchetti joins us from the Washington Post. Yes, I mean, we've seen this with, as you mentioned, Republican President Ronald Reagan legalizing nearly three million undocumented immigrants in 1986. Um, we're now seeing another route from Democrats. I mean, have Republicans always been against immigration in this way with Mitt Romney also talking about um, that they're going to be taking American jobs? Has this always been the narrative or has this been something more in, in modern times? Well, you know, it's, it's a complex question because there have been studies. You know, a lot of the studies on immigration tend to be um, as polarized as the debate itself. But there have been studies involving people from from all different sides of the immigration debate that have found that you know, overall immigration is a net benefit, but there are, there are, um, it's not across the board. I mean, you have high unemployment among low wage workers right now and uh, low wage workers tend to compete, are more likely to compete with um, immigrants, undocumented immigrants uh, for, for their jobs. And, and that, um, that's, that's a fact right now with the pandemic, but in the long run, um, studies have found that immigrants tend to, and, and their children who are more often born here, um, tend to pay more taxes, tend to create jobs, you know, they tend to be a net benefit. So, but in the short term, there could be um, some pain. And I think that was what um, Romney was, was also referring to. Romney, who incidentally, when he was running for president, um, you know, had also, you know, his family had also been found to have hired undocumented workers to mow his lawn. So, <laughs> Um, you wow. know, they, they, that's how that's how widespread, you know, undocumented immigrants are in this country. And many have been here for years. So it can be a complicated um, topic. But folks have been here for, 
you know, the typical undocumented immigrant has been here for 15 years. Wanted to, I wanted to ask you just if this doesn't get passed, are there any other options? Well, I mean, I think advocates feel that their best bet is reconciliation. Um, and if it doesn't happen they, this year, they feel that um, their chances will evaporate next year because they're the midterm election. So the next few months will really be critical. And, um, and we, we don't know. I mean, we don't know what will happen in the midterms if the Democrats will lose seats. Um, but uh, this may be their only chance. We don't know. All right. That was Maria Sacchetti, who's from The Washington Post. Thank you so much for being here and the work you're doing. Thanks for having me. Coming up on the show, Texas Senator Ted Cruz's explanation for his quick trip to Cancun as his state battles with deadly power outages. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Texas Senator Ted Cruz is on his way back to Texas from Cancun. How nice is that? After he was spotted boarding a plane to Mexico with his family. In a statement, Cruz said he flew to Cancun to accompany his daughters who had a school vacation and wanted to take a trip with friends. But that, of course, happens at an interesting time during this ongoing crisis in Texas, where millions are left without power in freezing temperatures because of the winter storm. Now, and joining us right now is Richard Fowler, Fox News contributor. Uh, Richard, what do you think about all of this? Not surprising coming from someone like Ted Cruz, I guess. All I got to say, Sharon and Ryan, is flying Ted. Flying Ted. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I it's, mean, so it's just unbelievable because when you read the statement from his office, it was like, oh, he was just trying to take his daughter down there for a day. And then Ryan, I'm not sure if you've been on social media to see the photos of that big suitcase that he had. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. I mean, he's talking about, oh, I'm just doing a quick turnaround. You don't take a full-on luggage to just do that, to drop your kid or had, chaperone your kids. It's weird. He had a he had a suitcase. Share, it looked like he was staying for at least a weekend. That was on one of his bags because he had two bags. And I'm like, <laughs> you, go, you were going on vacation, fool. And you're trying to, conv- you're trying to convince. I mean, this is funny, but it's, it's terrible what's happening it's to people awful. in Texas. Yeah. But you're trying to convince yeah. us that you were just over here. Oh, I was just dropping my daughters off in Cancun. Nobody's buying that story. Nobody, not even Republic. Nobody in their right <laughs> mind is buying that story. The only per- only folks that bought that story was the PR rep that wrote the that wrote the PR <laughs> that wrote it, and Ted Cruz maybe himself, but nobody else I believes that-, that you had that big suitcase <laughs> and you were just going for over there for a night. Shame is what brought you back to America. Shame. The shame of the American people and the fact that your hashtag flying Ted is trending is what brought Ted Cruz but back to America. I was going to make a joke, by the way, about he was uh, importing something or smuggling something into there. But oh, God. But Ben Shapiro, you know, his awful self, he was on, he came out with a video talking about this, of course, and he was saying, well, what is Ted Cruz supposed to do? Real-time crisis that Ted Cruz, the senator from Texas, can do anything about because the senator from Texas is in fact in the United States Senate. He's a federal officer, right? He's a federal elected official. This is up to the mayor of Houston and like the governor of Texas and all the people who are state level officials. And also, I I just wonder what is Ted Cruz, like did they expect Ted to go there with like a blowtorch and start defrosting all of the pipelines? So it seems like there are Republicans who are going to stick up for him and, and at any point. Is this going to reflect in the overall, like his supporters at this point? Like are Republicans <laughs> really falling for this? You know, listen, I, I would I would hope that Republicans aren't falling for this. The sad news is that we won't get a chance to actually vote on Ted Cruz until 2024. Mm. But, you know, I heard Ben Shapiro. I watched Ben Shapiro's video. And let me just say this. Let me be very direct about it. 
Like this idea that, oh, it's performative. And I'm like, no, it's not performative when you're the senator of the United States and you have the ability to call the Speaker of the House and call the majority leader and said, hey, we need some relief. We need mm-hmm. a relief bill. Maybe we need to pass some legislation. May, there's, you are a leader. And when you're a leader in a, in a community, when the community's in trouble, the people want to see you. They want to see you leading. They want to see you helping. They yeah. want to see you handing out camp. Like, yes, it's performative art, but it's what leaders do. Again, uh, you're hearing from Richard Fowler, Fox News contributor. With Texas being the possible purple state, right, does this make folks uh, trust Republicans less when we have leaders like Senator Ted Cruz doing this in times of need? Well, I think trust for the Republican Party is an all-time low. And, and, you, and you see it beyond, like, the trust for the Republican Party members in the polls. You see it by how Republican voters are reacting to Joe Biden. I mean, just look at a recent poll that came out that said 63% 63 of Republicans agree with Joe Biden on stimulus. 56% of Republicans agree with Joe Biden on immigration, right? I think Republicans, some of them have woken up from what was the fever of Donald Trump. And they've said, well, listen, I'm not, I didn't vote for this guy but maybe we should give this guy a chance to see what he can actually get done for the American people. And so I do think that the Republican party and this ideal of we're going to be Republicans and we're not going to, we're not going to call each other out and we're not going to work for the advancement of the American people. We're going to take trips to Cancun when our people are suffering. That is the reason why they're losing voters every day. Like I said earlier, it just seems like Republicans are always going to find an excuse uh, for the people that are kind of wrapped up in this, the, this Trump era still. Right. Um, but I do wonder, is it is he to blame? Because we talked a little bit about like everything that's obviously going on in Texas. Is the GOP leaders to blame for what we're seeing in Texas? Is Are they to blame for this, like, obviously people sitting in the code, people having no power? Or is it these independent companies? Yeah, who's, who's to blame here? It's a little bit of both, right? Because I think what you see is you see a government that has not has made the choice to actively made the choice to not invest in infrastructure. And I was making the joke joke last night at dinner, and I said, "Look, they say a lot about liberal-run cities over liberal-run places, but during natural disaster, the liberal-run cities usually do okay. Like we have we have we have a snowstorm currently in the District of Columbia, and we haven't lost power, we haven't lost heat, nobody's pipes have busted." because we have a weatherized electric system, because in liberal cities, we believe in investing in infrastructure. And in places like Texas, they're not part of the national electric grid, number one. And number two, there's no investment in infrastructure and you don't believe in climate change. So you don't think your efforts ever gonna snow, so you don't make an investment. And guess what? It starts snowing and the people in your city and the people in your community are suffering and you, you can't help them. Yep, that was Fox News contributor Richard Fowler. Great having you on as always. It's good to be with you both. Coming up on the show, how you can help Texas winter storm victims. We're going to be sharing more on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. The new Channel Q. It's been so difficult to witness on social media what's happening in Texas right now. And it's mind blowing because you think of Texas as a place that's hot. Right. When I'm in Houston and Austin, it's like the weather. It's not like that cold. I mean, I grew up in Canada where we had winter storms. Yeah. What we're seeing there is next level. No, it's actually really true. I've never uh, been to to Texas and I just know that it's kind of like it mimics Nashville in a way where it's a lot of humidity. It's just hot. I mean, yeah, you may get a little bit of snow here and there, a couple inches, but never in the way that we have seen it where people's houses are being destroyed and people are losing their lives. Like this just feels kind of um, apocalyptic in a way. It kind of reminds me of a show that I watch called Snowpiercer where 
where it talks about the world being frozen and they're dealing with this in a way. It's just really interesting. It feels like a movie in a way. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. And to the point where President Joe Biden has declared a state of emergency and it makes people eligible for federal assistance, which is so needed because it seems like the local governments over there can't seem to figure it out with, as we talked about, Ted Cruz going off to Cancun or Oh, of course, just bringing his daughters there. But there's there's still the need for help uh, immediately as many people are struggling to find shelter, food, and warmth in these really dangerous freezing conditions. We talked about uh, this guy who owns this furniture store, and he did this for the hurricane a few years ago yeah. uh, where he opened up his store for those who didn't have a home, uh, those who are house houseless or homeless uh, to be there. And that's really nice that he's doing that. And of course, who's that pastor, the big celebrity pastor? Yeah, but let's not talk about Joel Osteen. Yes, I think I think this is why it's so important. And we, we were discussing like, oh, if we're going to talk about the Ted Cruz, the negative about this, we need to talk about the positive of like how, yes. we, how we should all be helping these people. Because us in California, honey, we be like just crying if it gets below 60 degrees or if it is 60 degrees. And so that's I think I think we have to, it puts it, a lot of our experiences in perspective. Um, and yeah, let's talk about how we can help. Well, so there are a lot of organizations. If you're not on the ground there, uh, but you still want to help, impact.publicgood.com has a whole list of the organizations that you can check out and see which ones resonate for you. Of course, we've got the usuals, Salvation Army and American Red Cross who do great work. But in Austin, and we're going to talk about some of the local ones right now who are doing really cool things. Uh, the Area Urban League has started the Love Thy Neighbor TX campaign to raise money for hotel rooms, food, water, clothing. Uh, we have Local small businesses are started this thing called Free Lunch, mm. and they're making deliveries of home-cooked meals, blankets, hand warmers, and hygiene kits uh, to the community residents. Oh, uh, wow. That's yeah. actually really cool. Wow. Yeah. In the Houston area, Lucille's 1913 Community Kitchen, they're preparing and distributing meals. Uh, and Caritas of Austin has an Amazon wish list. You'll find some of these where you can literally just go on Amazon. It's so easy. How many times do you go on Amazon? You might have some points. Well, use your points for a good cause. Yeah, and we'll actually put some of these resources in our Instagram story at LGT Show. So you can just head over there and check it out and get involved because, honey, it's very important. And I just hope and we both send so much love to everyone in Texas right now going through this because this is just crazy. It's crazy. Yes. And, you know, Hurricane Harvey, when that happened, wow, I can't believe 2017 already. Yeah. And we knew each other. Remember, I went we did, out there yeah. and I actually went with one of the organizations that help pets. And let me tell you, it was so sad to see all these abandoned animals. And you're, they're putting them on a little small plane to bring them to another state because the uh the, it was not the orphanages, the, uh, what's it called? The shelters. Yeah, the, the shelters. The yeah, shelters yeah. were all, they didn't have space. And so they didn't have anywhere to put them. It was so sad. So just the last one I'm going to talk about or just mention, Austin Pets Alive. If you're more of an animal lover, austinpetsalive.org to help them as well. Now coming up on the show, YouTube has erupted with gay kisses. We'll tell you why next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. We are back, and you know, I can't believe it, but come March 1st, we are one having more hours here on Channel Q from 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, but also there's a possibility we might be back in the studio. <laughs> 
Okay, so I am very, um, if I'm being honest, I'm nervous, but I'm also excited to be back into mm-hmm. the studio because we've had, we've had a couple times and I've, I think I've had more times than you where I've kind of been back in the studio and it's always been good. Our, our company's doing so good with like making sure everyone is safe, but it's just, it feels weird. There's going to be an adjustment period, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I enjoy doing it there because we're together safely, obviously. And there's just a different type of energy than staring at a screen all day recording this. Not that I don't love. I love being in my basically my PJs, uh, you know, at my boyfriend's place. He's going to miss me. I'm tired of looking at that. <laughs> it's time to get back to work, literally. Yeah. So. So we appreciate you hanging out with us during this time, and we can't wait to be with you when we are back in studio. Again, more hours here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific. It's going to be a good time. Uh, But coming up this hour, the reintroduction of the Equality Act in Congress today. We've got Lambda Legal CEO Kevin Jennings here with us. So excited because we've had everyone from Lambda Legal here, but now we got the CEO. And uh, why sitting down all day isn't as bad for your health as you fear That's coming up this hour. But first, let's get into what's trending this hour. Texas Governor Greg Abbott was asked about Senator Ted Cruz's Cancun trip. And here's what he had to say. I haven't been following people's vacation plans. We've we've been working literally all night since we talked to you guys yesterday. And now today, I don't know about people's travel plans. And now CNN, uh, they are speaking out about Chris Cuomo. They basically told the Washington Post that a rule prohibiting Cuomo from interviewing or covering his brother, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, remains in place today. This is really important because imagine, Ryan, your brother was the governor. All this stuff was going down and then you were talking to him and getting those exclusives when the pandemic was happening. But the minute there's controversy around your brother, you're like, I don't want to interview him or have anything to do with this. It's a bit sketchy. Um, I think it's a good decision. I think you have to separate the two. I think there was a a time where people were falling in this spell of the Cuomo brothers. But let's be honest, it was always a mess. Um, And I think this is a smart decision um, for Chris, to be quite honest. And this is all happening because Governor Cuomo, if you're not caught up, is now facing a federal probe and it calls to resign over his handling of COVID-19 deaths in nursing homes. And a lot of questions are being raised whether the governor, as you mentioned, should have appeared on Cuomo prime time time on CNN, given the conflict of interest. And finally, this is like an early Yaz Queen, a new activism campaign fueled by kisses began on YouTube this week following the censorship of a kissing scene in a TV broadcast of the film Bohemian Rhapsody. Activists have called on LGBTQ folks and allies in South Korea all over the world to upload videos of kisses to social media and protests. And a pair of Korean YouTubers, Kim and Backpack, who operate the channel called Mango Couple, have called supporters of queer rights to join them uh, to lock lips together. They uploaded a video to YouTube starting the hashtag Bohemian Kiss Challenge, hashtag all kisses are equal. So this is really cool. Upload your kisses on social media with those hashtags and be part of this. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Now, we normally don't talk about rappers in the team report, but this one has the internet on fire because Kobe Bryant is in one of these lyrics. Um, It's time for your T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. 
Um, rapper Meek Mill, I'm not sure if you know who he is. He dated Nicki Minaj at one point. Um, has a new song apparently out, or it was leaked. Um, and basically, I don't really listen to his music, but it caught the attention of fans because of this lyric. If I ever lack, I'm going out with my chopper, it be another Kobe. Ooh. Fans blasted Meek on Twitter, calling the verse disrespectful. One person tweeted, in my opinion, it was disrespectful and distasteful. A lot of people died in that accident. A lot of people are still torn up. Some people just don't understand that it's inappropriate. My thing is, why even do this? Like, why even say something like that? That's so gross. Even if it was leaked and it wasn't supposed to be out, why even write that and record it at any point? Yeah, this isn't like a trend you jump on and have as a buzzword in your song or your rap. This was a horrible, tragic incident. It's not like a pop culture moment to jump on. Yeah, I hated it. I hate it so much. I got more T-Report coming up next hour. But real quick, we have your chance to win your way into an exclusive pay-per-view concert special with Max and his Color Vision Deluxe Experience on Saturday, February 27th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Head over to We Are Channel Q and enter for your chance to win a pair of passes plus a VIP meet and greet with the one and only Max. So yes, y'all, y'all better head over to our website right now. Well, Lambda Legal CEO Kevin Jennings joins us after this to talk about the Equality Act introduced in Congress today. More on that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Lawmakers in the House of Representatives and the Senate, February 18th, that is today, you could put it down as a day in history, introduced the Equality Act, which is a comprehensive bill that would amend the 1964 Civil Rights Act and related federal laws to ban discrimination against LGBTQ plus individuals. It's a big day and we are so honored to have the Lambda Legal CEO, Kevin Jennings with us. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Sharon. Thank you, Ryan, for having me on. So how do you feel on a day like today? I know you issued a very big and powerful statement about this news. Well, I think we need to put this in some historical perspective. Can you yes. tell I started my career as a U.S. history teacher? Yes, please. Let's do First it. version of the Equality Act was introduced in 1974. Wow. We have been waiting 47 years for Congress to extend civil rights protections to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people. It has been long enough. It is time for Congress to act and extend protections to our community, which frankly, we should have been given decades ago. Yeah, I, I, and I think what's so interesting is like, I'm thank you for adding that historical context because even back in 2019 when this bill was passed in the House of Representatives, I, we celebrated it here being like, oh, this is such a good moment. So for anyone who's confused right now, what's this reintroduction mean? What is that? Break that down for us. Okay, well, uh, the, the, the spawn of Satan, I mean, Senator Mitch McConnell um, <laughs> prevented the equality bill from coming up for a vote in the Senate in 2019. So even though we passed the House, we couldn't get a vote in the Senate, and therefore it did not get enacted into law. As you know, thank you, Georgia, uh, the Senate is now in the hands of the Democrats, which means that we should be able to get a vote in the Senate this time, and we have a friendly president in Joe Biden. So if all everything goes according to plan, Hopefully, we can actually see the first federal civil rights protections for LGBTQ people in history enacted this year. The thing that's a little nerve-wracking is 
will the diehard opponents of equality choose to filibuster? Mm. And if they do, that means we don't have to get 51 votes. We have to get 60 votes, which means we're going to have to have some fair-minded Republicans come along with us. And I'm really hoping that we can turn this away from being such a partisan issue and into what it should be, which is a basic matter of fairness. Mm -hmm. LGBTQ people should be entitled to the same protection as everybody else in America. It shouldn't be when you cross the border from California to Nevada, you lose half your civil rights protections. Um, And we have got to enact this into law. The CEO of Lambda Legal, Kevin Jennings, is with us right now. Are log cabin Republicans trying to get their fellow Republicans on board? The idea of getting me to speak for the log cabin Republicans (laughs) as a former Obama appointee, uh, that is something I'm not touching with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> oh, I you're, love you're, that you're, answer. You're, you're funny. I love that answer. <laughs> but, I, you know, I think after seeing what happened and what took place when it came to the vote of the impeachment, right, um, I'm a little worried that we're going to see Republicans kind of join us on the right side of history. Do you think there is any hope for this bipartisanship of just understanding and moving forward? You know, I think there is hope. There are Republicans like, you know, Senator Portman from Ohio, who has a gay son. Um, And hopefully uh, some of these people will understand this is a question of basic human dignity, basic fairness. Um, This shouldn't be a Republican versus Democrat issue. This should be a basic thing we can all rally around as Americans that everybody should be treated equally regardless of who they are. And that's basically all the Equality Act does is it says that Regardless of your sexual orientation, your gender identity, you should be treated fairly. I don't understand why that's controversial in the first place, to be honest. I mean, yes. Uh, So what is Lambda Legal doing during this time, this gap of time where we can get the other side on board to vote for this? Well, it's absolutely critical. I know people think it doesn't matter if I call my congressman, they don't listen. That's not true they do listen. Mm -hmm. So if you um, are in a state where there is a possibility of a swing vote, like, you know, quite honestly, if we're here in New York where I am, I think, you know, we could pretty much count on Schumer and Gillibrand. So you probably don't need to call them, (laughs) but you do need to call in other states where the senators are on the fence and they really do listen. And if they understand, you know, over 70% of Americans are for this legislation. We just need people to speak up and say, it's about time. Enact this legislation now. Well, Kevin Jennings, CEO of Lambda Legal, it has been a pleasure. We really appreciate having you on and we hope to have you back. I would very much enjoy that. And hopefully we'll be back and celebrating uh, full equality for LGBTQ people. Yes. That is what I'm talking about. Uh, Thank you again. Have a great day. Coming up next, why sitting down all day isn't as bad for your health as you fear. We're switching gears here on Let's Go There. That's next. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. The new Channel Q. A lot of us are stuck, like us right now, sitting on Zooms all day. And we're being told it's not healthy. But it might not be as bad for your health as you fear. And joining us right now is paleoanthropologist and Harvard evolutionary biology professor Daniel Lieberman. He has a new book out called Exercise, Why Something We Never Evolved to Do is Healthy and Rewarding. I mean, so much here to unpack. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Let's be clear, though, not moving isn't good for you. Like, you don't want to just live your life lying down, sleeping, not moving. Can't you, like, 
stop the blood from moving in your body and do some weird things. <laughs> well, I mean, I think everybody knows that, right? I mean, if you if you never move, well, that's obviously a problem. Um, but we didn't evolve to exercise all day long, to be physically active all day long. So yeah, it's normal for people to to sit sit for a fair amount of the day, but also be physically active part of the day. And the problem is that we've created this modern world in which we no longer have to do any physical activity. And the pandemic, of course, is making that worse. And so now we have to choose to do, do physical activity for the sake of health and fitness. That's basically exercise. And that's a pretty weird modern behavior. What is up with our obsession of like telling people to be this model like human, right? Like, oh, it's too bad if you sit down all day. It's too much if you work out too much. I guess why do we put so many rules on the way that we live life? That's the, that's the kind of ridiculous world we live in, in which we've medicalized and commercialized and commodified everything, including exercise. And there's, you know, there's all this kind of false virtue signaling and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's part of the problem. It's the reason I entitled the book Exercise. I think too many people are confused and anxious and, and ambivalent and, you it's know, triggering. pissed off. It's triggering. Yeah. Absolutely pissed off by the topic because of the way in which we treat it. And, and, um, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, we need to be more compassionate with each other about 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 physical activity. It's it's a basic fundamental instinct to avoid unnecessary physical activity. And and then and then now we then kind of blame and shame people for for basically being normal instead of trying to help them uh, in this very weird modern world in which we live. That's the basic idea of this entire book. Yeah, you're flipping the script, as this article said, on ideas like sitting is the new smoking. How did you decide to focus on this work? <laughs> Why is this your purpose in life? Well, I mean, look, I study the evolution of physical activity. I'm interested in how and why we can use evolutionary and anthropological approaches to to, to help each other, right? And, and um, so I wanted to write kind of a natural history of physical activity. And I realized that to start the book, I needed to talk about inactivity because it's kind of the other side of, this, of the same coin. And so... You know, the, the quintessential form of inactivity is sitting. And, you know, we're told relentlessly that sitting is the new smoking and that, you know, you know, your chair is out to kill you and all kinds of stuff like that. And I mean, you don't have to be a, you know, have a PhD or an MD to realize that that's obviously nonsense, right? Uh, your chair is not out to kill you. And, and it's completely normal to sit. My dog spends her entire day sitting all, all, all day long. So, so why shouldn't humans? So it turns out that, you know, we're just not very honest to each other that, that you know, yes, if you spend all your day sitting, and all your evenings sitting, and you sit going to work, and you sit on the way back from work, and then you sit after work watching, you know, TV. Yes, of course, you're going to get in trouble because you've not, you not haven't done any exercise. But the sitting, in and of itself, isn't shameful or blameworthy. It's 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 we just need to help each other get off the couch occasionally or get out of our chairs occasionally. And and there are better and worse ways to sit. So I think we should just be more honest about the costs and benefits of sitting rather than then turning it into kind of, you know, because everybody, cigarettes, a chair is not a cigarette. That's, let's be honest. Yeah, again, we're talking to Professor Daniel Lieberman, who's the author of a new book out called Exercise. Yeah, I think of the people like who are pacers, who are, and, me, and, and I feel like, yeah, I'm a pacer. and I sometimes I do feel like I can be a pacer, but it feels like it's attached to anxiety. Is that something that we should be looking at in terms of like, oh, is this healthy for us in that way? Or are we just kind of pacing because we're trying to get all of this weird energy out of us? <laughs> Well, fidgeting, pacing, all that kind of stuff, that's, you know, it's probably good for you, right? You know, mm. it helps you in, in the modern world, right, where, where we're very physically inactive. Um, there, there's actually data showing that fidgeters are actually um, have some benefit. Um, 
but you know that's there's nothing you can do to control whether you're a fidgeter or not you either are or you aren't and there's i think that's just kind of like it's just part of you know, who you are. it's part of who you are. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we just all need to find strategies to kind of, you know, help each other. So, so it turns out that being there, there's kind of what we call active sitting, right? And so there are some ways to sit that are more active than others. And, and the key thing is, turns out to be just basically to get up every once in a while. So people who sit the same amount, but, those, but, but, but get up every 10, 15 minutes versus get up every 30, 40 minutes um, are actually just much healthier just for the same amount of sitting in terms of, you know, the various ways in which we can measure the outcome. So, so there are better ways to be, to sit. Well, that is interesting because I try to do that even while recording this show. So now I got to let our producer Vanessa know it's to be healthy. It's for my health. After this, uh, we want to get into more about the book and I guess some of the biggest surprises for you, what you want people to take away from it. We are with Daniel Lieberman, the author of Exercise. More after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. We are back with Professor Daniel Lieberman. He has a new book out called Exercise, Why Something We Never Evolved to Do is Healthy and Rewarding. And you just said sitting is okay, right? And there are good ways to sit and bad ways to sit. On the other side of that, uh, we have a society. uh, People think that we're in a place where people aren't doing enough physical activity right now. So how do we do more and without shaming? Well, so the data are that, you know, every health organization on the planet urges us to get 150 minutes a week, of moderate to vigorous physical activity, right? So that's 21 minutes a day, of, you know, basically like a brisk walk or more, right? And, and by most measures, probably less than a quarter of Americans are getting that. And, and it's heavily stratified by socioeconomic status and race, et cetera. There are a lot of inequalities. Um, and, and I think the, and the, and the way we've tried to deal with it is to medicalize it, commercialize it. We sell it and we prescribe it. Right. And it's obviously not working, right? So I think that the solution is to kind of take a look in, in the kind of the rearview mirror at our evolutionary history and look at people who aren't just, you know, you know, rich white Americans and look at the world as a whole. And when you do that, which is what I've tried to do, you learn that people are physically active for two main reasons. One is because it's necessary, right? In order to get dinner or, or avoid some, being somebody else's dinner. Or the other reason is when it's fun, you know, when it's socially rewarding, like dancing or playing. And and so instead of telling people to go trudge on a treadmill for half an hour a day, how, let's help each other find ways to make physical activity both necessary and rewarding. And I think the best mm. way to do that is to make it social. Is there I mean, an age limit attached to this? Like, is it like as you get older, you need to get up more? Or is like in your, if you're younger, you can like play around with sitting down more and, and getting up? Like, I just wonder, is there an age attached to this? Well, that's an important question because the evidence is that the older we get, the more important physical activity is. And in fact, one of the arguments I make in the book is that, you know, we're a, a weird species in terms of how we age, right? Most animals die basically by the time they stop reproducing. But humans normally live two or three decades after we stop reproducing. And it turns out the reason we do that is that we evolved to be active grandparents. We evolved as grandparents to hunt and gather and forage and do stuff for our children and our grandchildren. And that explains, and, and, and that activity as we age turns on repair and maintenance mechanisms that keep us healthy. And so that's why the older we get, the more important physical activity is for producing health benefits. And that's why it's important to have that familial uh, unit, the family unit, which a lot of people are, our modern day people leave home, right? And then everyone's separated from each other. And 
I, I believe that you age more quickly if you don't have your family around. And oh, absolutely. I mean, look, the major determinants of health aren't medicine. It's, 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 it's your social environment, right? Mm. Um, and, and um, you know, if I get on the subway, I live in, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. If I get on the subway and go 10 stops down the, down the subway line, you know, the people's life expectancy is like 15 years younger than, than the neighborhood that I live in around Harvard University. And that's not just because of medical care, that's because of their social environment. So your your environment is incredibly important in terms of determining your health. And a lot of that has to do with the foods you eat, but also the, the physical activities that you do, but also the psychosocial stresses that you experience. These are all, you can't separate them. And But our medicalized world, we basically only treat people after they get sick. And as a result, we're not doing a very good job. Well, thank you for inspiring us all to move today, but have fun with it. Uh, that was... Uh, That's Dan basically it. Yeah. yeah, that was Daniel Lieberman. Uh, check out his new book, Exercise, Why Something We Never Evolved to Do is Healthy and Rewarding. It's out now. Thanks again. Coming up on the show, we've got What's Trending This Hour. Dolly Parton is turning down Nashville's statue in our honor. What is going on? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. You know, it was really interesting. We had this author on just before this talking about exercising and how that's just like a false narrative and you could actually sit on your butt all day long. You don't need to worry about it. Just get up every 10 minutes or so or every 30 minutes and that's all you need, right? You don't need to feel bad about that. What did you think about that, Ryan? I didn't really necessarily think it was about exercising. I thought it was more so just kind of debunking this whole thing about sitting for too long, right? And just having a, a, a balance. Um, because I think exercise is just a term that really triggers a lot of people, as I said in the interview. And so um, I thought it was really interesting. I, I love that he's coming from it from a more compassionate lens. Yeah, and if you missed that interview, uh, you can check it out on our podcast. Let's go there on the radio.com app or our podcasts are available. We post everything after the show. So don't you worry if you missed it. So you don't have any FOMO. But coming up this hour, COVID-19 cases are dropping fast. We're going to tell you why. Plus, Biden's immigration bill introduced today that could be a game changer for undocumented individuals in this country. Stick around for that. But right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. The heads of social media platforms like Reddit and the trading app Robinhood appeared before the House Financial Services Committee uh, alongside the CEOs of hedge funds, Melvin Capital and Citadel, because of last month's GameStop stock turmoil. Wow, I can't believe I said that without messing up. The execs answered questions over the Reddit-linked viral moment that sent their stock soaring and prompted Robinhood to suspend trading. And I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that as it continues why it happened, if it was sketchy, if anything was wrong about this or how they'll be held accountable. Now, South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster signed a bill into law that would ban nearly all abortions in the state. This is so messed up. Abortion rights advocates say the legislation is the first major abortion restriction passed out of state house in 2021. The law would effectively prohibit abortions as early as six weeks of pregnancy before many people even know they're pregnant. And there are some exceptions, including in cases of rape or incest, or if the life of the pre uh, pregnant person is at risk. 
And finally, let's move on to some good news, please. We need some of this. Australians voted for marriage equality in 2017, and that prompted the building of a giant rainbow path in Sydney Park. Well, it was just completed in time for the Sydney Mardi Gras. The 90-meter rainbow path was commissioned by the city of Sydney and commemorates the legalization of same-sex marriage in Australia. And here they are sharing about this big accomplishment. I love that. I love a rainbow path. Hi, well, here we are at Prince Alfred Park, standing on Sydney's latest rainbow crossing, and it's celebrating Equality Green, which is where we all heard the fantastic announcement of the outcome of the voluntary survey to say that 60% of Australians supported marriage equality. The location recently renamed Equality Green was chosen as a place where 30,000 people gathered to hear the results of Australia's marriage equality postal survey on November 15th, 2017. So an early Yaz Queen to Australia. You're doing good stuff. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Dolly Parton is giving us another reason to love her. It is time for your tea report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So Dolly Parton has graciously turned down a proposal to build a statue in honor of her in Nashville, saying it was, wasn't appropriate given all that is going on in the world. So apparently, let's backtrack this. There was okay. a bill that was introduced last month by Tennessee legislators that would have constructed the statue in front of the Ryman Auditorium, which is legendary, um, where she's performed before. Um, she, thanked, she thanked officials saying, I am honored and humbled by their intention, but I have asked the leaders of the state legislature to remove the bill from any and all consideration. Given all that is going on in the world, I don't think that putting me on a pedestal is appropriate at this time and this isn't the first time she's done this either remember when we talked about here on the team report about how she turned down the presidential medal of freedom not once but twice i mean she just i think that's what's wrong with the uh, the, the the lawmakers and the people in charge in nashville one they're republicans um but then two um Clearly, they don't they don't know how to read the room. Like, why are you putting Dolly Parton? Why up? now? <laughs> She's a hero. No, to be clear, she is a hero. But you know, now another time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I think this it's important for her to have. I mean, she has her own damn amusement park. What else does she need? Um, but I think. <laughs> Yeah, I love that she's just in touch with the overall tune of the world right now. Yeah, she's very humble. It's pretty impressive. For sure. And we have a giveaway, of course. Uh, head over to We Are Channel Q right now, um, wearechannelq.com, for your chance to win your way into an exclusive pay-per-view concert special with Max and his Color Vision Deluxe Experience. You can win a pair of passes plus a VIP meet and greet with Max. And honey, he is cute, but he's married, but he is cute, so it can be some good eye candy. He also just had a baby. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Right. Now, coming up on the show, COVID-19 cases are dropping fast. We're going to tell you why and what you have to look out for next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. One month ago, the CDC published the results of more than 20 pandemic forecasting models, and most projected that COVID-19 cases would continue to grow through February, or at least plateau. But instead, it seems like COVID-19 is decreasing here in America. And joining us to tell us why this is happening is Dr. Amish Adalja, who's an infectious diseases um, doctor working on pandemic policy, emerging infections, and preventing bioterror. 
Wow. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Now let's get into why this is happening. Is it simply because of behavior? Americans finally got the hang of this mask and social distancing thing? It's actually probably multifactorial. There definitely is a component of behavior change where people are getting better at washing their hands, wearing face coverings, and maybe making better risk calculations. But you also have to remember that you know travel was very high during the Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's holidays. And now we're getting back down to more of a baseline, which is also having an impact on cases. We also know that many people have already been infected, probably 30% of the population, and that's going to make it more difficult for the virus to spread. And then you have to add in, there has been some level of vaccination going on. So a virus that's facing a population that maybe has 30, 35% protection is going to have a harder time spreading than one that has only 10% protection, for example. Yeah, I guess I'm a little confused because when I'm watching the morning shows, uh, like, you know, the daytime television shows, and they're talking about there's all these multiple variants of COVID-19, and it's kind of like this just not fear-mongering, but they're really saying that this is not over yet. It, it, it feels like it's just, um, it, it's not on the same page as what we're seeing with this, right? Where they're saying the COVID numbers are dropping. Should we still kind of be on um, on alert with this entire thing? I definitely think we need to be on alert because the new variants are a little bit of a wild card. And they, just by Darwinian principles, are going to outcompete the original version. And if people are lax with their personal habits, this new variant is not going to be something that's as forgiving. So we're sort of in a race between the new variants and the vaccines. But the new variant, it's not really going to, it's not spreading at the same pace in every state. So for example, Florida is a state that has more new variant cases. So everybody's going to watch Florida closely to see if they see an uptick in cases. So hopefully this down this downtrend is sustainable and 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 we can keep pace with the new variant by accelerating vaccination, but it's a big if and we have to be prepared for cases to to pop back up again, even though I think we're getting more and more hopeful as we see the cases continue to fall and this be more of a sustained drop. Yeah. Again, we're talking to Dr. Amesh Adalja, who's an infectious diseases uh, expert. What about seasonality? Maybe is it because of the time of year right now or does that not matter? Seasonality does make a difference. It just We didn't see it early on because there were so many people that were not immune and the, the virus basically had an easy time picking people even when the weather was was not conducive to its spread. But as we get closer to spring and summer, I do think we will likely see some decrease in transmission as humidity, as sunlight, as temperature, all favor, um, don't, don't favor the, the transmission as much. But I think right now it's probably not playing as big of a role yet, but we will likely see seasonality as we get closer to spring. So I just want clarification, because when you're saying immunity, I thought there it wasn't really, there wasn't really a thing. Like that wasn't a thing, right? Even if you get the shot, there's still a possibility that you can still contract it or you can still give it to people. So what does that really mean in this sense of what we're talking about immunity? I think that's a little bit of a, a misnomer, and I think people are kind of underselling the vaccine and underselling natural immunity. It does make you much less likely to get infected if you have antibodies, if you have T-cells, and we're already seeing the evidence of that in places like Israel, where they vaccinated basically half of their country. So we will see the, va- the virus have a harder time to spread when there is immunity. It may not be that immunity is 100%, but it is such that the virus is going to find it just less hospitable, the more people that have, the more people that there are in a population that have antibodies, that have T-cell immunity from natural infection or from vaccination. So we will see decreased spread as we vaccinate more. 
Yeah. So do you think basically by 2022, we can just get back to normal already? You know, we've been talking about with our work, uh, possibly getting back into the studio, hopefully soon. I think there's a sense of normalcy coming in the second half of the year, but I'm feeling even like 2022 is the time I can stop, start preparing for my, my trips that I've been having on my bucket list again. (laughs) I definitely think by 2022, we'll be in a much better place. And I think it'll probably be even before that, at least in the United States, domestically, I think we'll be close to closer to normal as we get into late summer of twenty uh, of twenty twenty one. But internationally, there's going to be basically a staggered rollout. Not every country is going to be on the same timeline for vaccination. But I think into twenty twenty two is when this pandemic will really be behind us. But we're going to see benefits even before that, as we get vulnerable populations vaccinated: nursing home residents, community dwelling elderly individuals. You're going to see less pressure on hospitals because those are the people that that are getting admitted to the hospital. Those are the people that are dying. And once we get those groups vaccinated, you're going to see kind of a change in the risk perception because we'll have tamed this virus, that it's not causing deaths at the same rate that it is now, that it's not threatening hospitals, and that it's no longer a public health emergency. And that's going to be reflected in public health guidance. We're just sort of waiting to get vaccine into more people to get there. Um, Real quick, is this going to be like the flu shot where we have to get it every year, like this vaccine? It's unclear right now. Uh, we don't know when there's going to be a need for a booster, whether that's two years or five years, or whether we're going to really need to update the vaccine because of new variants. There are some concerns about the South African and Brazilian variants being not as well taken care of by the vaccine, but the vaccine still prevents what's important, serious disease, hospitalization, and death. So we may not need to update it, but I think it's too early to say exactly what frequency we're going to need, if, the, if any, when it comes to second doses or third doses down the line. Yeah, that was infectious diseases expert, Dr. Amesh Adalja. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yes Queen of the day. Yes Queen. Ooh, that was an interesting one. I thank you for mixing it up. Seppi Shine made history in November as the first out LGBT plus Iranian American elected to public office in the U.S. Now, as a member of the West Hollywood City Council, where she's also the first queer woman of color to serve, she's fighting for social justice and inclusivity, as well as changing the narrative around Iranians and Iranian Americans. You know, we know Seppi. She's been on the show. I just thought of that as I was reading. Yes. I was like, we should have her on. Seppi's incredible. I love her because one, not only is she like also into the whole wellness space with like crystals and stuff, because she told me about my one of my You're crystals. Right. I can't believe to... I'm like blanking yes, on this. Yes, I'm checking her email out right now on She's my email. So incredible. We gotta get her back on to check in. I love her. Definitely. Okay. That was it. That was our Yes Queen of the Day. Oh, she deserves it. She deserves to be the only solo dolo yes queen because I'm telling you, she Going back when she was on our show, she was um, obviously running um, for a a position in office, but she's just someone who is just so real and so honest and is just like, she really calls it out. And I just always appreciated that about her, right? And I think we need more folks like her, especially queer, especially a woman of color. And yeah, I'm just really, really excited about this news. And she hustles. Yes. She hustles. That part. So congrats, Happy Shine, on everything you're doing. We can't wait to have you back on. And if you ever want to nominate someone for our Yes Queen of the Day, slide into our DMs at LGT Show. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we are sharing the best of this week, moments that you might have missed. Of course, the Lambda Legal CEO, that was awesome. Kendall Stevens, transgender activist, and so much more. We're here for you live on Channel Q, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. If you miss any of our shows, we 
post everything as a podcast. So catch up on the news of the day. Be smart with your friends. Be the person that's not tone deaf. And you can do that by listening to our show. Let's go there on the radio.com app. Now we are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. Bye, y'all.